When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Tyler Myers has scored for the Winnipeg Jets. They lead the Minnesota Wild 1-0 with two and a half minutes left in the second period. Jets are up 1-0 in the series. Philly in the process of bouncing back. Travis Konechny has just scored early in the third. Flyers 3, Penguins nothing as Philadelphia hopes to even up that series. Los Angeles in Vegas in about an hour. Golden Knights up 1-0 in that series. 4-4, Blue Jays in Cleveland. That's now in the bottom of the sixth. Western Hockey League just underway between Brandon and Lethbridge. And about to get underway as well, Swift, Current, and Moose Jaw. Uh, we got Lethbridge up three games to one on Brandon. Swift and Moose are tied 2-2. Portland and Everett later on tonight. Portland up three games to one. Uh, the Alberta Junior Hockey League final is just getting underway in Okotoks. The Oilers against the Spruce Grove Saints. Ken Hitchcock. Stepping aside, retiring after 22 years as an NHL head coach. Of course, spent this last season with the Dallas Stars. We had Rob Brown talking about Ken Hitchcock a little earlier on on the show. If you ever miss anything, you can sign up for the Inside Sports podcast on iTunes or just go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. We'll have all the audio files for you there. Okay, my name is Reed Wilkins. Thanks a lot for tuning in. You can text 630-630, phone number 780-496-0063. Good Oilers discussion in the first hour. Bill Peters. Coach of the Carolina Hurricanes will coach Canada at the World Hockey Championship in Denmark starting on May 4th. Three members of the Edmonton Oilers are on that team. Bill joins us now. Bill, welcome to the show. How are you doing? Very good, Reed. And yourself? I'm doing very well. It's great to have you on the show. Congratulations on being named the head coach for Canada at the Worlds. I, I definitely want to talk to you about that, but uh, it's my first chance to, to do a one-on-one interview with you, so I, I have to dive into this part of it, Bill. Um, from 2000 to 2007, I worked uh, at a TV station, radio station in Lloydminster, covered a lot of Junior B hockey. Northeastern Alberta Junior B League, uh, Lloyd Bandits were the, the team, and they often played the Kill'em Kill Wheat Kings. I remember a couple epic playoff series uh, between the Bandits and Kill'em. So, I mean, when you were hired to coach in Carolina, I was like, this is incredible. I mean, we didn't overlap, but you used to coach uh, in that same league. I don't know how often that gets brought up in interviews with you, but uh, what do you remember about coaching Kill'em? Like, how did that come around for you? Yeah, you know what? That's going back a long time. It doesn't get brought up a whole bunch, but uh, obviously, you know, raised there. I played there in that league. And then uh, when I was done playing college hockey at 23, I coached in that league for a couple of years and then uh, moved on from there. But definitely, 
know that league real well. I was told uh, a buddy of mine sent me a text, and I think Wayne Wright won it this year. And uh, some uh, fond memories of the time in that league. Well, and I got to ask you, Coach and Junior B. Um, I'll try to put this as politely as I can, Bill. It, it was my experience in that league that sometimes when a game got to be a two or three goal difference into the third period, sometimes players might be more concerned with settling some scores than trying to necessarily tie the game. Uh, part of the experience of Junior B hockey, how was it coaching in that sometimes uh, wild environment, shall we say? Oh, yeah, no, especially back in the day, obviously. Uh, there was obviously uh, a pound of flesh uh, taken on most nights one way or the other, but uh, the game's a gentler, kinder, better game now than it was back then, and uh, and guys have, uh, I think, toned it down across the board in, in hockey. You mentioned you were just 23, so I mean you're only three, four years older than a lot of guys you were coaching. What was uh, what was that experience like, and, and making sure you you had the res- respect to them? Because you know a lot of times in most situations those might be your your peers in a social situation, but you weren't in a social situation. How did you, despite being relatively young, establish that sort of coach authority figure uh, type relationship with them? Well, it was no problem. We had a great group of kids. Um, you know, the board of directors always made sure we had good players to, to coach, and then it was up to us as coaches to coach them. And, you know, I didn't even think of it back then. Maybe that's the advantage of being a little bit naive when you're at that age. But uh, good group of kids to work with and uh, a lot of fun. And, you know, and it gives you an opportunity to make some mistakes as a coach away from the bright lights. What? What got you behind the bench, Bill? Uh, I mean, I know you mentioned obviously a bit of a playing career, um, but that, you know that is still relatively young to be coaching at, at any level. What led you to what led you to that? Was that something you thought even when you were younger or you're a teen you'd like to coach someday, or what first planted you behind the bench? Well, you know what I think for me it became obvious uh, at a young age that uh, you know I, I enjoyed the game obviously and had a lot of passion for the sport so to stay involved in the game if you're not good enough to play then you got to go into the next best thing which i think is coaching so that's what led me down that path and i was fortunate enough to play for some real good coaches and uh gain some experience in that regard all right and uh I, i'm guessing one of those coaches because didn't you win an acac title under babcock when he was with red deer yeah, we won one there, and prior to getting to Red Deer, I played for Mike Johnson at, at the time was Camrose Lutheran College, and that's back in the day when they had the Viking Cup. So got to go overseas with the, the college there, Camrose Lutheran College, and then got to play in the Viking Cup. And then, um, you know, it was funny when Mike, uh, it was his first year coaching in North America, was at Red Deer College. Perry Pern was a coach at Nate, and, uh, and Mike, I, I believe Mike Johnson by that time, yeah, he had. He had left and went to... Uh, went out east and coached university hockey at University of New Brunswick. But, you know, all good coaches, all guys you can learn from, and, uh, and definitely did that. I mean, just because Babcock's such a, you know, he's become such a large figure in Canadian in coaching and in the in the NHL, obviously been successful. What what's a what's one key thing you would say you you took from Mike, or you still remember a lesson maybe he taught you, which is now almost tech thirty years ago. Well, you know what, I just think is. Uh, his honesty and his, his accountability and his ability to hold people accountable is very much a strong suit. And uh, and, and the communication, right, the, the truth. You, you just you always deal in truth and you always be honest with guys and up front and don't let things fester. And, and I think things work out in the end when you do that. 
Bill Peters joining us tonight on Inside Sports. He's going to coach Canada at the World Hockey Championships. Uh, thanks for those memories, Bill. I mean, I don't know how many interviews you get to do in Raleigh where you can drop uh, small-town Albertan names in there, names of small Alberta towns. But on <laughs> this radio station, I think it's played pretty well. So <laughs> those references are, are, are great. Yeah. Um, look, you're yeah, going to... No, they won't know where... They won't know what we're talking about here, but obviously back home, everyone's well aware. Yeah, that's awesome. Hey, um, obviously uh, Canada getting ready to go here uh, early May, first week of May, the tournament starts. Three Oilers are going to be on the roster, Darnell Nurse, uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, and, and Connor McDavid. So uh, three of the still relatively uh, younger Oilers. And, I mean, look, you got some the great names. Like Aaron Ekblad's a great defenseman. Uh, you're going to have Barzell and, and Everly uh, off the Islanders on your team as well. I know there's still some, some uh, players to fill out. But, um, I, I mean, I'll ask you about just the opportunity to coach Connor, two straight Art Ross trophies. I... You know, we, we talk a lot in Edmonton about his line mates. I don't know if there are bad line mates for Connor, especially the roster you're going to have. But uh, what do you think it's going to be like having 97 on your bench? Well, you know what? I've, I've coached him once before, obviously, two years ago when we were in Russia. No, were we in Russia? Yeah, we were in Russia. We won uh, one, and he was a big part of it then, obviously. And he's, he's a better player even now, if you can imagine. So just uh he's a treat to coach obviously high high-end uh ability but also a high-end person and uh it'll be it'll be fun to have him on uh on our side instead of coaching against him and then obviously him and Nuge had a little chemistry coming down the stretch for the Oilers so we'll probably start with that and then give him uh give him a guy on the right side and uh you know what it's two good guys to play with so Look forward to it, but there's lots of good quality people and players on that team, so look forward to uh, coaching all of them. Well, Billy, you, you anticipated my question about Nugent McDavid being together, so thanks <laughs> thanks for that. You saved, you saved me the trouble for asking it. Um, the, the international yeah. game, you know, the ice surface is obviously bigger. They're, you know, you know, goalies talk a lot about different angles and stuff, and defensemen have talked to me about, about gaps and things like that. Uh, is game planning any different when you get to the international game? Yeah, a little bit. You know, there's a little bit of difference for sure, and you got to study some different countries and make sure you're up on their tendencies and what they do and, and go from there. But, uh, you know, I think for the goaltenders, it's probably the biggest thing with the angles and, you know, where the shots are coming from and then obviously the, the whistle when the player goes through the crease. That's a little bit different than what we're used to in North America. But, uh, you know what, it's still you got to play inside the dots. you got to control the good ice. you got to be good in the neutral zone. you got to manage the puck. So, you know, a lot of things that uh, you have to do in North America and the National Hockey League, you have to do on the international ice also. All right. And, uh, Bill, before I let you go, uh, I mean, look, I just want to ask you quickly about Carolina here. Uh, I, we saw you guys in the preseason, and uh, I thought, man, that they're checking really hard, really detailed team. And uh, I thought you guys were looking good to, to get into the playoffs. Didn't quite work out that way. You wound up 36, uh, 35, and 11. Uh, you know, there's always bumps along the road for any team, but uh, for a non-playoff team, you you wind up uh, remembering the bumps a little more than the other parts of the season. Uh, you know, how do you how do you summarize it? I'll just I'll just kind of ask you bluntly here. How come you feel you guys wound up a little short this year? Well, you know what? Too many nights we didn't get the job done in games where we played real well and maybe had a leader or tied in the third and either didn't find a way to at least gather the one point or hold on to two. And then in saying that, there was times when we were playing real well in the season and we're on a bit of a streak and then found a way to 
not maintain that streak. So we didn't have the long, extended, prolonged winning streak that you need. You need at least one, maybe two to get in, and then that's probably what hurt us the most. Yeah, okay. Well, all the best uh, over in Denmark. Obviously, it's going to be fun watching that roster you're going to have and you behind the bench, and uh, I appreciate some of the Killam and Junior B memories, Bill. That was really fun. Thanks a lot for coming on the show tonight. No, no problem. Thanks for having me, Reid. That is Bill Peters checking in, head coach of the Carolina Hurricanes. He'll coach Canada at the World Hockey Championship. Nurse Nugent Hopkins McDavid will all be on the team. St. Albert native Colton Pareko from the St. Louis Blues will also wear the Maple Leaf. They've named 18 players so they can still fill it out a little more here. They can wait till the end of the first round to see who else they will want to add. And you heard Bill say it. He will start with Nugent Hopkins and McDavid on the same line for Team Canada, and he said we'll throw somebody on the right side and see what happens. Probably won't be a bad combination, just a guess. It is 7:18. Got a text here to 6:30, Kellen, I believe I made a mistake. First time in several minutes okay. that I screwed something up. Uh, Everett is leading Portland three games to one. I, I think I might. Oh, okay. I think I might have said Portland last time I did the scoreboard. I think I might have said Portland was ahead three games to one. Thanks to whoever texted in and caught that. It is Everett up three games to one in that series. We'll keep you updated on the WHL scoreboard. Uh, Philadelphia looking good tonight against the Penguins. We'll let you know what's going on. It's seven eighteen inside sports on Chad. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad. That's the only goal so far in Winnipeg. Tyler Myers at 8.41 of the second period. Jets won wild nothing through 40 minutes. The Flyers up 4-1 on the Penguins halfway through the third period. Nolan Patrick, a power play goal at 5-10 to extend the Philadelphia lead. So they're looking good to tie that series 1-1. Kings and Golden Knights coming up at 8 o'clock tonight. Thanks a lot for tuning in. My name is Reed Wilkins, Inside Sports on 6.30. Ched. Got to give you this at the Allen Cup. Stony Creek has beat Southeast. That's a team from uh, South uh, Stony Creek's from Ontario. Southeast is from Manitoba. Stony Creek 5, Southeast 2. Stony Creek goes to tomorrow's final. The Lacombe Generals will face off at the top of the hour against Elsa Pogtog. That's the Atlantic champion in the other semifinal. Lacombe and Stony Plain obviously have uh, dominated senior hockey in Alberta in recent years. No Drew Doughty in that game tonight for the LA Kings. He got a one-game suspension for that hit on William Carrier the other night. I don't think for one second that that is suspension worthy. Um, you know, on the hearing and whatnot, we, we came to the conclusion that I did not intend to hit the head. I did get his shoulder, and the thing we kind of didn't agree on was that he didn't move or alter his position uh, to make him vulnerable for the hit, which you can clearly see in the video that, uh, you know, he plants on his right leg, going off his left, opens up his left shoulder and tries to jump to the inside. And that's why he ends up in the middle of the ice. So I don't think it's suspension worthy. I think it's, you know, BS really. I think it's, it's awful. And, you know, watching the games last night, I guess he's got four or five more to give. 
All right, Drew Doughty not happy about the suspension. Meanwhile, Our wall murder. Oh, Met by quick. Chara and Wingles. Oh. And then Wingles got drilled from behind by Kadri, and Wingles is down. That's a major on Kadri. No question. Left his feet, jumped on the play, and Wingles was already partly down on it. Yeah, well, Kadri did get a major on that play, and he gets a three-game suspension. Three-game suspension. Boston already up one nothing in that series on the Leafs, and uh, Kadri now out for the next three as well. Ken Hitchcock retiring today, 22 years as a head coach in the NHL, 823 wins. So that was behind only Joel Quenville at 884, and Scotty Bowman way ahead the all-time leader at uh, 1,244. Jim Nill, Dallas Stars GM. He thought, and we both thought, moving forward, this may be the best direction to go. And the best part is, he goes, he went out in his own terms. You know, Ken Hitchcock has had a, a, a illustrious career, what he's done. It's an amazing career, what he's done with teams. And uh, he deserves the right to be able to go out on his own, uh, on his own terms, and he did that. All right, so Hitchcock, we had a great segment with Rob Brown earlier in the show with some of uh, Rob's memories of playing for Ken while in the Western Hockey League. So uh, good stuff for Ken. Obviously, uh, Edmontonian coached that uh, Sherwood Park chain gang, midget AAA, great coach, great career. Wish him all the best in his retirement. He's going to stay with the Stars organization but won't be coaching anymore. Spruce Grove and Okotoks underway. Game one of the Alberta Junior Hockey League final. Nine minutes into the first period, no score. We had Spruce Grove coach Bram Steven on the show last night. Obviously, he had... Uh, yeah, you know, tough interview for him to do. A couple former Saints, Connor Luke and Parker Tobin, passed away in the Humboldt bus crash. So they'll be playing with uh, those two young men in mind for sure. Going to have a special guest uh, in studio. I'm, I'm not sure how to describe him because he's just one of those guys. He does a lot of stuff. He does a lot of sports-related stuff. He's, he's, he's helping to organize this rugby match that's coming up. Uh, in Edmonton in a couple of months, but he's also an athlete himself. So we're going to get to know Mike Brown. Pretty cool story, and we'll keep you updated on that NHL scoreboard as well. Jets and Flyers currently leading their games. We're back after the news. Thanks for tuning in. This is Ryan Nugent Hopkins from your Edmonton Oilers. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio, 630 Chad. The Blue Jays have just taken the lead in Cleveland, now up 5-4 in the top of the seventh. Jays fought back from an early 4-0 deficit. Both those teams coming in with records of 8-5. and five. NHL tonight, Flyers looking like they're going to tie the series with the Penguins. They're up 4-1 with six minutes left. Winnipeg... Leading, uh, leading the Wild 1-0, four minutes into the third. Vegas and Los Angeles will start at 8. And in the Western Hockey League, late in the first period, Lethbridge up one zip on Brandon. Lethbridge trying to close out that series in Game 5 on home ice. And Swift Current up one nothing on Moose Jaw with five minutes left in the first period. That series is tied at two. Two best teams in the league going by regular season records meeting in the second round. And obviously the Regina Pats, who were up there as well, already out 
and biding their time to host the Memorial Cup uh, <laughs> coming up in May. One of those uh, odd circumstances we get sometimes. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Oilers and Eskimos Radio 630 Chet, and I'm pleased to welcome Mike Brown into studio. Mike, how are you doing? I'm doing great, Reed. Thanks for having me. It's good to see you. Thanks for coming in. You're uh, the uh, the boss of MB Events, appropriately named mm-hmm. after your initials. Uh, uh, we uh, we <laughs> thought outside the box on that one. <laughs> you, really, you really went rogue <laughs> yeah, on that yeah, one. Yeah, we did. Uh, a, a lot to talk to you about, so we're going to have a fun half hour, but but we want to start with uh, the the nuts and bolts because you're getting excited about something. We hope by June 9th the weather is going to be outstanding. Yeah, we hope for a game at Commonwealth Stadium uh, between. I, guess I shouldn't use game; it's an international test match. Correct. I got to use the right lingo. Uh, rugby between Canada and Scotland. Yeah. Now, what's the significance of this one? Well, it's pretty exciting. I mean, um, you know, not very often does uh, Canada get Tier 1 nations playing on home soil. So Scotland is obviously one of the top five teams in the world right now. They uh, legitimate, legitimately have some of the best players in the world at their position. So it would be no different than seeing the best uh, midfielder or along those kind of lines in soccer. But you're going to see Stuart Hogg is for sure the best fullback, I believe, in the world right now. And uh, it's a real test for Canada. There's a huge Scottish community in Edmonton. As we know, every bridge you drive over has a mix something name. Uh, you know, fits with Connor McDavid, so hopefully, uh, you know, that suits it too. But it's uh, it's a real opportunity for us to showcase not only Scotland but Canada. We're trying to qualify for the World Cup in November, so the better opposition that Canada faces leading up to the Repechage tournament, uh, the better. And uh, it's just an op- you know, usually we do these games out at Ellerslie. This game's at Commonwealth Stadium. We're really trying to up the game. The city of Edmonton is trying to do bigger events in Commonwealth Stadium, so they've been a real good partner along with Commonwealth Stadium, uh, ensuring that the the match is successful. So it's a it's a big opportunity for everyone in the rugby community, but also outside of the rugby community. If you're a fan of sport, come out watch the game because it's going to be some of the best uh, sport you're going to see in the city this summer. Yeah, well that's great. I mean, nothing against Ellerslie, obviously, but it's great you're having it in Commonwealth Stadium. I mean, that's a great facility to watch. Whether you're going usually for the Eskimos, but having rugby there. Um, and uh, there were weren't there women's Rugby World Cup games in Commonwealth back a while ago. What am I thinking of? Yeah, I'm thinking of the Churchill Cup. I'm so, thinking of the Churchill Cup. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, in the early uh, early 2000s, there was a, a tournament called the Churchill Cup. It uh, varied between four teams. Typically, the uh, England A side, Canada. I believe it was USA, and then it was typically one other team like Ireland or Scotland or someone like that. Okay. And it was usually their second tier team. So the good thing about this is that it's the top tier team from uh, Scotland. They're touring here, then USA, and then Argentina. And so also, well, because they're tuning up too, right? They're tuning so, up too. So yeah, they're they're already in the World Cup. They are. Canada's going to have a qualifying tournament in November, you said? Correct. And then yep. the World Cup's next year. Absolutely. Who's hosting in, uh, in Japan? In Japan, and they're usually pretty good too, aren't they? Yeah, Japan's good. They have a pro league. You're seeing that wherever uh, countries that have developed a pro league, which is happening in North America now, finally, you've seen those countries sort of take some leaps uh, past Canada and other, other Tier 2 nations. So uh, hopefully we get that pro league going here, and then we'll be on the same level as other clubs. Other yeah, that's, well, that's the challenge, isn't it, mm-hmm. for some of the, a lot of the sports in Canada. Okay, so this is going to be June 9th. So where is uh, where's where's Canada's ranking sort of right now? If Scotland's top five, Canada's right around twenty. Okay, and how many teams get in the World Cup? Not that I mean, you still got to win your way in. I but. believe there's uh, twenty four teams that make the World Cup. Right, because we're usually because I, I know we're now. usually in mm-hmm. by now. 
okay, so we've we're having a t- little tougher time. Yeah, qualifying. we uh, we lost uh, the we lost against the USA in a two game series that would have automatically qualified us. So the US got in. Oh, so then we lost we to it. Uruguay, which uh, typically wouldn't have happened, but uh, some bad bounces. Uh, Kingsley Jones, our new coach, has implemented a great game plan. The players just didn't have enough time to uh, pick it up. I don't think. Okay. And uh, so now we're back to our last chance to qualify for the World Cup, which Canada has never not qualified for the World Cup, and it's the Repishaw tournament. Well, I think, because I've I've always enjoyed watching the Rugby World Cup when it's on, and I can mm-hmm. remember going back to university, like, oh, these games are on, and sometimes at odd hours, if you're a student studying, Correct. so yeah. <laughs> you get that 2 a.m. game or whatever, yeah. uh, and it seemed like we would, like, make the round of 16 or maybe make the quarters but then mm-hmm. couldn't quite get over the hump against some of the, the bigger boys eh yeah they just uh the, there's a disparity in the level of uh depth i guess is you know where most countries a lot of countries it's their first or second sport you know obviously in canada we get a lot of really good athletes once they're done playing football or oh, done really? playing hockey okay. or done their initial path but i think you know rugby canada is working really hard to show players at a younger age that there is a real pathway to professionalism and make some money and make that your first choice i know my kids uh, are five and seven they're playing rugby opposed to starting with soccer and those kind of things i just think that uh you know, rugby sometimes gets a bad rap as far as concussions and those kind of things right now, but it's actually okay, is it a pretty safe sport. football or hockey? Not or? at all. You, yeah. you, you'll see a lot of NFL teams now, they're hiring rugby coaches to teach their players to well, Didn't uh, the tackle. Seahawks go to rugby yeah. tackling a few years ago? Yeah, why Sally Cerevi, the one of the greatest sevens players of all time, is a tackling coach for the Seattle Seahawks. And that's just because it's a safer and is it more efficient form of tackling too? Well, if you, you got two guys not wearing helmets and if you're running into each other at full speed, someone's not going to end up pretty good. So your career would be pretty short so right. you, you learn to tackle with your shoulder you learn to aim at the guy's hips not his chest and it's just it's a safer safer more controlled aggression is the way i'd call it yeah mike brown joining us uh, in studio inside sports on 6 30 tickets are on sale for this already tickets are on sale ticket master uh rugby versus scotland yeah so uh lots of levels the most expensive ticket in the whole stadium is only 59 bucks we've got general admission tickets for 19 bucks oh wow yeah so i mean you can get out there take your family watch some really good rug- rugby you know beginning of summer nice saturday night and uh, have a great night out okay i'm gonna throw one at you here because i'm guessing a lot of people listening are probably like me they've seen rugby on tv they know what it is they understand the the base jets just scored again by the way to go up two nothing they they know maybe well i feel like i know the basic rules in the scoring i don't understand quite all the penalties and and some of that but I, i get most of it so if you're going to watch a rugby game in person for the first time is it like, hey, you just got to follow the ball the whole time? Or are there some subtleties you should watch away from the ball? What, what would you say? Honestly, what I would do is I'd talk to the person sitting next to you. Oh, nice. And uh, rugby people, I think we're really good at explaining the game. I mean, uh, I was in Australia over the holidays, and I went to a cricket game, and I'd never watched cricket before. And I sat with a guy. So how many days were you there? Sorry. Was, uh, <laughs> yeah, it was, it was a 2020, so I was only there for three hours. But uh, I sat with a guy that played cricket, and he really made the game enjoyable for me because then I understood the game. If there's people around you that are talking rugby and you ask the question they're going to tell you but the the simplest way is to follow the ball um they are there are going to be some videos on the screen explaining what a line out is and what you know because we do understand we're still teaching the vast majority of people what the game is yep. but i mean i would ask people i mean they're they're a pretty welcoming group of people to share our sport with you you know what i've enjoyed too because most of us i mean we know what this country is it's hockey and then, you know, it's football, and then it's probably, you know, basketball, soccer, baseball, fighting for bronze in popularity. But when I've watched rugby, 
and I've really watched an entire match, I've thought to myself, I can see how football evolved out of this. Mm. Football just decided we're going to pause a little longer between plays and force guys to line up in certain positions, and then eventually we're going to let them throw it forward down the field. Now, that's one thing. In rugby, you can't put it forward at all, right? That's a penalty? Yeah, lateral or uh, backwards. Um, And so the thing about football is you also have guys playing offense and defense. Sure. In rugby, every person plays everything. Can change quick. So, you know, if you want to use the analogy of football, the quarterback in football would have to tackle if he played rugby. (laughs) So there's nowhere to hide on a rugby pitch. So if uh, if you're the smallest guy on the field, you know, you're still going to have to tackle. You're still going to have to hit. You're going to have to make good decisions. And and the thing about rugby is there's a position for every single person, every single body type. Uh, Rugby's a gender equal sport. We put just as much money into the women's game as we do the men's game. The women are actually performing better than our men right now. Our women won an Olympic bronze medal. They came second at the World Cup three years ago. So, I mean, there's a real opportunity for anybody. So, no matter your shape, size, height, weight, doesn't really matter. There's a position okay, for you on a rugby le- pitch. But, Mike, sort of jump in. The, but let me ask you this, though. You mentioned all the different body types. Yeah. Is, is But, okay, because in, in football, the old lineman will never get the ball unless there's a fumble. Mm. So the heavier guys, the hogs in rugby, if I want to call them that, will, will they still be expected to have ball skills? 100%. Yeah, so that's a little yeah. different there, right? Yeah, they uh, those you get those guys running off the edge of a ruck, which is a breakdown when the ball's on the ground. You get a big prop coming through there. Uh, you'll see, you know, most guys don't carry a lot of extra weight at the professional level anymore. They're, they're really fit. They're bigger upper bodies to work in those scrums. But you've seen the weight come down from the best, heaviest players and the skill gone up because every player on that pitch is expected to touch that ball. They're expected to know how to tackle they won't all kick the ball you'll have like some guys that'll kick some guys are better at well if you see a prop kicking and he'll be bugged on the bus for the next three years probably (laughs) but uh you uh but you you the good you you need to be a well-rounded athlete to pay to play rugby okay so canada scotland coming up june 9th at commonwealth stadium international test match uh we got mike brown in studio he's he's setting things up here uh, Ticketmaster already has tickets on sale, you so you can it. grab those. Uh, what do you say, as low as twenty? Nineteen bucks. Nineteen bucks for general seating. So we were having uh, f- what fifteen are on the field at a time. How many be, will be on the roster for Canada? Twenty-three guys. Total. Twenty-three guys. So here's my question to you: Where are they playing right now? I mean, these are Canada's twenty-three best rugby players. Mm-hmm. So I assume they're. Pr- getting paid pretty well to play rugby somewhere in the world. Yeah, so I think about uh, two-thirds of our team are professionals overseas. Uh, We have guys like Tyler Ardron, who's playing for the Chiefs in New Zealand, and he's actually uh, playing really well right now at second row. Uh, Jeff Hassler's playing for the uh, Ospreys uh, over in uh, Europe. So, I mean, we got guys that are playing really high level. DTH Van de Merva, he's uh, one of our star players. He's on the poster, and uh, he's playing overseas, I believe, for Glasgow. So we got guys that, that's part of the problem with Canada is if we could have all these players playing in uh, North America professionally, we'd be able to bring them back more often. Right. Therefore, the team would be better. Problem is, we have these guys playing with other teams the whole time, and then we got to bring them back for like just a three-game series in June. So, is there a superior? Is there a best league? I mean, if you and I were doing this in. Uh Switzerland, and I asked you about a Swiss hockey player, and you said, well, he's playing in the NHL. I'd be like, oh, okay. So is the guy in New Zealand, is that the best league in the world, or what's the best national league? Yeah, the Super 15, so it's New Zealand, South Africa, and Australia. It's probably the best league, and then so it's uh, cities from all those teams. Uh, it's regions. Oh, so it's three. Re- okay, regions. Yeah, so regions and cities. So like the Auckland Blues, but then you'll have like the Highlanders, and okay. you'll have you know from you know Canterbury, those kind of places. Okay. So depending on how big the the population is in those areas, but uh, 
uh, and then you know that's the southern hemisphere they play in that and then I'd say the northern hemisphere is the premiership out of England so okay yeah. so that's equivalent to the for sure EPL soccer league yeah then, for sure uh, what do we got for Alberta content on Canada do we know uh, yet well uh, we got so Gordon McCrory it's actually a really neat story Gordy uh, actually emigrated here from uh, Scotland about uh, eight years okay. ago and he's the uh, he's scrum half for Canada. I think he's got about thirty caps to his name. He lives in Edmonton, and so he's uh, he's a really good story. He actually we got to get him in. We got to get him in. He plays. Uh, he's played with some of the guys that are on the Scotland team oh, that he okay. used to play against or with, I guess. <laughs> and uh, so that's cool. We got uh, you know we have some ex players. Nick Blevins out of Calgary is uh, is also in Alberta, and then we have a lot of alumni that used to play for Canada that are in town too. Okay, Mike, I got to ask you this at the risk of, of you rolling your eyes at sure. me. Because you've heard this before. Yeah. What do you think of the expression, soccer is a gentleman sport played by hooligans and rugby is a hooligan sport played by gentlemen? Well, I, mean, I, I might agree <laughs> with that, but I know when my friends and I uh, get together after a game, it's not typically a bunch of gentlemen hanging out. But uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, I think we all have, there's a real mutual respect for each other on a rugby pitch. You play hard, you hang out together after. I mean, I got some of my best friends uh, now, now that I'm done playing rugby are guys I played against. And uh, you sort of, you really, you know, when you're out there in the trenches against a guy or with a guy, you gain a lot of respect for somebody, whether or not they're trying to rip your head off. Right. And so I just think that, you know, there's no diving in rugby. Um, there's no, uh, you know, faking injuries, those kind of things. You're, you're going all out for 80 minutes. And then after the 80 minutes, say, hey, go to the pub, buy your opposite number of beer and sort of talk about, you know, how great the game was. And they talk to the, I, I, for what I've seen, rugby players talk to referees more respectfully than in any other sport. Yeah, I mean, there's some, some, Nigel Owens is one of the best refs in the world. He refs, he's ref the World Cup final and he's legendarily known for telling guys, be quiet, go back, I'm not listening to you and yes sir, yes sir, I apologize <laughs> sir. Out of the way. Yeah, right, just... like, you don't swear to referee, you don't <laughs> say the things that you see those guys mouthing in the NHL, that's for sure. You wouldn't be uh, on the pitch for long. Speaking of that, Jets now up 3-0 on the Wild with 10 minutes left. The Flyers have beaten the Penguins 5-1. Okay, so Canada-Scotland International Rugby Test Match at Commonwealth Stadium June 9th. You can go to Ticketmaster for tickets. Mike Brown's helping to put everything together. Can you stick around? Because you've got an interesting story as well. More with Mike Brown when we get back. This is Cam Talbot from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Ched. All right, thanks a lot for tuning in tonight, having a good chat with Mike Brown, the executive director of MB Events. Well, was it hard to apply for that job? Well, you know what? My daughter's name's McKinley Brown, so I'm going to go <laughs> if I named it after her. <laughs> nice. <laughs> All right, so uh, again, Mike is uh, really fired up June 9th. The International Rugby Test Match, Canada and Scotland at Commonwealth Stadium. That's going to be a great venue, obviously. And you can already get tickets at Ticketmaster, and uh, you will get uh, Edmonton's Gordon McCrory on yeah. the show. Maybe get him on in May or something. He's probably getting hyped for this, too. Absolutely. So I want to I let people get to know a little bit about you as well, because you have made a, a living here, and this is really cool, like promoting sporting events, right? Yeah, so we uh, own and operate uh, sporting events. We contract ourselves out to work on uh, sporting events, and then we partner with National federations like uh, Rugby Canada, we partnered with Triathlon Canada in the past to do uh, some of their larger events where they either need a local partner or they need someone that can produce a portion of an event or the whole event on their behalf. Okay. Uh, now, I know reading about you, so you, you operate uh, triathlon as well? Yep. 
you're involved in Rugby Fest, is that's that's cool, right? Yeah. Uh, and you are, I mean, you mentioned you've you've played rugby. Yeah. You you've sort of wound down from that. Yeah. Or, so I went out on top, you? man. I uh, <laughs> I uh, we won the provincial finals with the Strathcona Druids in oh, 2006. Nice. And I think I lasted four minutes in that game, and I pulled a hammy. <laughs> oh, jeez! But I, but as it goes longer, as l- the longer I played, I was instrumental in the win. But uh, that was it for me. 2006 provincial. Threw your champs. cleats in the garbage on the way out of the. Oh, I, I laid right? them in the middle of the field, and I think they bronzed them, and I think they're still there. <laughs> they're still sitting there. Yeah, they better be at least. <laughs> That's incredible. Yeah. And uh, now I, I know I've talked about this on the show. I am a, a distance runner, but I am a the average guy. Sure. Distance runner, so. I run to try to be a little active, and I do one, sometimes two half marathons a year. That's cool. a good test for me. But you have done five Ironmans. Yeah. That's still at five? Yeah. So that's five. the, give me the distances on that again. Uh, that's a 4K swim, Okay. 180K bike, and then a marathon. Okay. And now you've also done, and I'm not even sure I know what this is, You've done three Ultramans? Yeah, so Ultraman is a triathlon, but it's a 10K swim, okay. a 420K bike, <laughs> and then a double marathon. And it's, I, it's, I got tired just writing that yeah. down. Well, it's it's spread over three days. So oh, so you do one event yeah, per well, day? No, the first day is a 10K swim and a, and a 140-something-ish K bike. Okay. Day two is strictly a bike. I think it's 275K. Yep. And then day three is the double marathon. So that's 84K? 84.4K, yeah. Uh, so what's that? 52 miles. Yeah. Yeah. God. So the one I, there's one in Penticton that I did, and then there's one in Hawaii, the World Championships in Hawaii. So you run on the Queen K Highway through the lava fields. And, uh, yeah, it's pretty hot. All right. That is... You've done three of those. I've done three of those. Yeah. Are you gonna do any more? Yeah, I'm trying to. I mean, I, uh, as you see, I, you know, people on radio obviously can't see, but I got this got boot a, on. You yeah. got a bit of an injury. I had this Achilles injury for the last couple of years, so it's sort of. Uh, I did Ironman Texas a couple of years ago. This injury came up. I haven't been able to run much since, so it was time that I got it dealt with. But it's uh, being out there on the road. I mean, you're you're you have to have your own support crew. So usually, it's either like some of my really good buddies or my family. Uh, my wife's been out there with me, so it's uh, it's sort of a. A nomad experience to be out there doing these ultramans where these guys uh, support you and do everything to take care of you and I mean you know you get through that you can pretty much get through anything I think we get we got to talk more about that next time we have you on sure all right uh, June 9th go to Ticketmaster uh, what's your website for MB events MB events.ca that's easy as well yeah I like how you keep it simple hey there you go Mike thanks for coming in thanks Reed. jets up three nothing on the wild that's with five minutes left in the third and uh, Philadelphia beats Pittsburgh 5-1 to tie the series 1-1. Jays up 5-4 on Cleveland in the bottom of the eighth. AJHL final. Second period, Okotoks leading Spruce Grove 1-0. That is game one of that series. Thanks to Kellen Kennedy, our studio producer. Thanks to Dave Campbell. He's the producer of the show. Besides from Mike Brown, you heard from Bill Peters tonight and Rob Brown. And thanks to everybody who called in and texted as well. I'll be back on Monday at 6. Hope you have a great weekend. My name is Reed Wilkins. Take care. Grab your hat, we'll travel like that's old style. Maybe tomorrow I'll wanna settle down. Until tomorrow I'll just keep moving on. It's Friday. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.